The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Pali recitation with this formula, Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa. You have it on the sheet in front of you at the top. They're getting them on. Okay. So, Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa. Homage to the Blessed One, the Bhagava, the Worthy One, the Arahang, the Fully Awakened One, the Samma Sambuddhasa. So, if you'd like to chant it with me a little, I'll chant and you can. Tent after me. Namo tassa, Namo tassa, Bhagavato, Bhagavato, Namo tassa, Bhagavato. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato Namo arahato Namo tassa bhagavato arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa 
भागवतो अरहतो So welcome everybody. My name is Sean. Uh, as you've heard, I'm no, uh, I'm no expert at Bali chanting. Uh, but I love it. <laughs> um, it's something that I've done mostly alone. <laughs> so this is uh, uh, a first opportunity for me to do it. Uh, not a first, but a uh, uh, early opportunity for me to do it uh, with others, which I'm excited about. So I'm very glad to be here. Um, with you today. I'm doing my PhD in Pali at Berkeley, uh, which is not quite as close to being finished as the introduction wave <laughs> made it sound like. Um, uh, but uh, it is uh, my subject and, and one I uh, have a lot of love for. So. Um, my purpose in coming today is to uh, try to convey a little of that um, interest and enthusiasm for uh, the language, um, and not only for reading it, but for uh, reciting it, for uh, making it a, a tool, a complement to your meditation practice, if you have one, or your study of the Buddhist teachings. Uh, so we'll be doing a lot of recitation today, um, in addition to uh, learning the basics of Pali pronunciation and Pali grammar. Um, so it, maybe it would be helpful just to go over the uh, program a little. Uh, this first session, our object is to learn Pali pronunciation. Um, this is always uh, one of the most enjoyable topics, actually, while um, beginning the study of Pali. And we can actually do it fairly exhaustively. Um, in a single session. Um, the language is very systematic, uh, arranged with a lot of linguistic and um, you could even say scientific precision, um, uh, which makes it, uh, you know, both easy and, uh, you know, enjoyable and sort of inspiring um, to learn. So we'll be learning Pali pronunciation and doing some chanting, some of the basic chantings, uh, the formula of the triple gem, the qualities by which the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha are remembered. Uh, we'll be looking at 
uh, a small sutta reading in English that explains those qualities. And then, uh, if we have time, let's see in this first session, uh, otherwise we'll add them to the next session, we'll start with uh, the refuges and the Pancasila, uh, the five precepts. So in our uh, following sessions, uh, we'll get into Pali grammar, not too much, um, but the basics. I want you to leave today having learned a little Pali. Um, uh, we'll do a reading uh, on what I like to call the positive side of sila, okay, virtue, uh, the, the qualities that uh, maintaining the precepts uh, uh, lead to the cultivation of. Uh, somehow, uh, with all the talk of abstention and abstention and abstention, uh, the positive side sometimes gets left out. Uh, and then we'll be doing some uh, uh, some lovely chanting. I guess a lot of the chantings that we'll be doing today, you could call them paracanonical. They're not uh, all the the suttas per se of the canon, but a lot of the formulas um, and um, sort of devotional uh, passages that are recited when the Dhamma is taught in a traditional setting. So these um, uh, sort of get short shrift um, in Buddhism circles because uh, we tend to approach Buddhism as uh, something that's very anti-ritualistic, anti, you could say, blind faith or devotional even. Um, uh, but it, it's worth considering them. Um, we can try and see today how you feel about them. Um, they add a certain richness and context, uh, you could say a traditional context, um, uh, of solemnity and inspiration to the practice as well. So they do have uh, their value, and you can judge for yourself um, as we go through them today. Uh, so we have chantings like the Deva Vahana, the invitation to the Devas to come and hear the Dhamma that's about to be recited, the Udhanagata, the, the first verses uh, that were uttered by the Buddha uh, during the three watches of the night as he sat uh, under the Bodhi tree, and the Avijahitagata, the unforsakable verses, the verses that are never left out by any Buddha when they become enlightened, uh, but are always recited when they realize what they've discovered. We'll have a break for lunch uh, after the second session. With the third session, we'll get into uh, 
the content of that realization, the paticca samuppada, which um, many of you may feel, I've uh, felt myself, uh, is a rather ponderous formula. <laughs> um, so one way of approaching it, you know, rather than perhaps a more academic point of view, um, would be to take a devotional angle um, and to acknowledge this as something that we don't, uh, we can't have full comprehension of just yet. Um, but we can uh, recite and sort of uh, acknowledge as uh, the content of the Buddha's liberation as it's been sort of handed down to us. Uh, so, Paticca Samuppada. And sort of even more um, abstruse, uh, the Patana Matika, that is the, the Tika Patana matrix, the 24 conditional relations uh, that constitute uh, you know, all possible uh, modes of relationship between mind and matter. Uh, this gets us uh, fully into the realm of Abhidhamma, which, as the tradition uh, reminds us, is uh, Buddha Viseo, not Manusa Viseo. That is, it's the sphere of Buddhas. It's within the range of Buddhas, not <laughs> within the range of mere uh, men, people. Uh, but again, this has its traditional place uh, in recitation. It's used uh, really sort of as the quintessence um, of truth, the formulation of reality um, in its uh, sort of barest, most uh, stark and accurate uh, formulation. Uh, so it's often chanted as a protective formula or as um, uh, encapsulating the Dhamma in its most concentrated uh, and succinct form. We'll be looking at um, a passage in translation from the Mahanidana Sutta, uh, which uh, gives us uh, will give us another aspect of Paticca Samuppada, one that the Buddha... I, I think we can pass them around after. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, an aspect of the Paticca Samuppada, of dependent origination, that the Buddha uh, uh, specifically signals as being one of the more profound implications of the formula. Uh, so this will sort of illustrate um, now uh, the kind of things that you can read and contemplate and have access to uh, with the knowledge of Pali. And we have the Ugho Sanagata, again, more devotional verses celebrating the 
victory, as it's metaphorically put, right, of the Buddha um, over Mara when he uh, gained enlightenment. And our final session, metta, goodwill, I like to say love, loving kindness also. Metta bhavana, the cultivation of metta. So we'll go systematically through the formula um, as it's sort of traditionally prescribed um, uh, and some verses of metta and uh, uh, well wishes at the end. Okay, so this is our uh, plan for the day. (laughs) Um, The timings are in parentheses because uh, they may not be you know, uh, (laughs) uh, perfectly in in line with it. Um, I've left big gaps between the sessions. If we take those big gaps, that's fine. But um, that's specifically so that if we go over, we don't end up, uh, you know, running out of time for the next session. So timings may um, be adjusted, you know, in accordance with, um, you know, our needs. Um, We'll go with the flow. Okay, so uh, with that, I would suggest we turn the sheet over. Actually, we don't want what's on immediately on the back. You can set that aside. We can get directly into this sheet, the one labeled polyphonetics. Does everybody have a handout? So I'm just going to put this up here. could angle this so it comes a little closer, if you don't mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fine. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Ah, there we go. Okay. Can people see that? No? Yes, sir. Yeah. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. Okay. Ah. With a dot below, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, in the hand, with the word like Pali, uh, if I write it without the diacriticals, I'm using it as a naturalized English word. Um, if we want to write Pali in Pali, that is reflecting its own phonetic values, then we'll use these uh, diacritical markings. So the long mark on the A, the uh, retroflex dot below the L. And we'll, we'll get into what those sound values represent right now, actually. Yeah, yeah, good observation, though. Yeah. So mostly I've left it, the word poly, without these marks, um, treating it as a simple English word. Okay, so with that, um, I'd like to talk about the Pali vowels. Okay, so the vowels are known as, the, the word for vowel is sara, 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 in plural, sara, the vowels. 
So you have them right there at the top. Um, there are only uh, eight plus one nasalization, which you can call a ninth vowel. It's considered a vowel in the um, native linguistics. Um, and I'm going to pronounce them, and you can try pronouncing them after me. So the first vowel is ah. Ah. And you see it before you, yeah? Ah. That's right, okay. Second one. Ah. So, ah. 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 You hear the difference. Ah. Ah. Okay, so, if you notice that little mark above the ah denotes what's called vowel length. So this is a long ah. And what that means technically um, is not that the quality of the sound changes, uh, but that it's pronounced twice as long. So uh, this is a slightly artificial distinction. There's a bit of a difference between an ah and an ah, but theoretically they would maintain, the polygrammarians would maintain that it's simply an ah pronounced twice as long. So, ah, ah. And that holds true for all the vowels. Okay, so anything with the long mark above it is pronounced simply twice as long as the short version. This vowel length, um, if I can give you a tip at this point, is the key to good poly pronunciation. And it's the key to beautiful poly recitation. So it's uh, a point to keep in mind that the long vowels are pronounced twice as long as the short. So, uh, 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 a, A, O. O. So notice, A and O, though they don't have the long mark above, they're inherently long. So first thing to keep in mind is that the A and the O are inherently pronounced twice as long as a short vowel. So, A, A, Ah, whole series, no? I, I, U, U, A, O, and finally, Ang. That's right, yeah. Ang, yeah, basically an NG sound. Ang. Now, to pronounce this, uh, I'm adding an a uh sound before it, if that's not clear. So, ang. Um. Yes, question. Um, I have a question about the long A. I have a question about A. So in English we have the terrible, or I guess that's how it is, the, we say a Ah, yeah, yeah. Correct? Yeah, yeah. And so that sound, I can hear that sound slipping into the room, and I'm just curious. It's, it's Yeah. 
Um, it's A. Yeah, good question. So in English, we tend to diphthongize our vowels. So we tend to uh, to slide into an E sound at the end. A, A, A. You want to avoid that in Pali. Thank you. But that said, um, this vowel is conceived of as the combination of an A sound, a short A, and an E sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in origin... It's those two letters combined, A, A, you can hear it, how it became. But in pronunciation, uh, it's monopsongized. So it's uh, pronounced as A, a, a single We're tone. talking about the letter written as, as E. That's right. Say, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And same thing holds for the O. In theory, in origin, we can say it was a vowel A plus an U. And in English, we tend to accentuate that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we get them both in there. In Pali, a more flat tone. Oh. Hmm? Yeah, thank you. Good, good question. And, you know, please feel free to continue um, interjecting with questions as we go. Yeah, it's helpful. Okay, so some words with which we can practice this. You have the examples below. Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, then should sound like on, not om. On, right? If we have the letter O. O. Actually, this. Thank you. Yeah, for pointing that out. Yes, this on sound is called. Nigahita by the um, grammarians. That's its name. Not om. Yeah, actually, yeah. this this ung will only occur with the short vowels um, a, e, and u. So you'll get ung, you'll get ing, and you'll get ung, but you'll never get ong. You'll never get ang. Yeah, those don't exist. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um. Unlike in, say, Sanskrit, uh, where they do exist. So Pali um, doesn't permit that ong to combine with any long vowel. Actually, that's just a characteristic of Pali. So we, if we practice these in some words, these are just random words. Um, you have the meanings below, but I won't dwell on them. So we have asso. You can repeat after me. Asso. 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 So it's also true that the double vowel, double consonant is twice as long as a single consonant? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, once we bring in words, um, uh, uh, we bring in other issues. So we'll, we'll look at double consonants shortly, yeah. But uh, this is a preview of that, that's right. So... Double consonants, uh, when there's a double consonant, both are pronounced, and you'll be um, hearing that. Uh, so, asso versus asavo. Asso. Asavo. So, very key distinction in Pali is that between a and a. So it's important to distinguish these clearly. 
asso, asavo. And you can hear that the second one is short also. Asavo. Versus patipada. 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 Yeah. So that's a little uncomfortable to our English ear to have that long vowel at the very end of the word, but very common in Pati. Patipada. Okay, the eyes. Vidja. Vidja. You may be more familiar with Avidja. Why isn't it Vidja? Since that's a long. Isn't that a long ah at the end? It is, yes. Vidja. Oh, okay. I heard Vidja. 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 Long, long, yeah. So, vidya, siri, siri, versus sima, sima. So, siri, but sima. And at the end, nadi. Question. Ah. I have a question of i versus i. Ah, okay. So I thought I heard vicha mm-hmm. and then um, sima or um, yeah. So is it i or i? When it's short, it's i. I. Okay. When it's long, it's, it's e. e. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's good. Yes, question. Okay, um, I'm curious about emphasis. I'm hearing a fairly flat tonal, tonality across mm. it, some, um, and I wonder if there are emphasized syllables. Yes, yeah, absolutely. We'll get to that um, in, a, in a bit. Um, in general, Pali is quite flat, so the stress accent isn't as important like it is in English or, say, in Italian or something. Um, Pali's... Uh, uh, pronounced quite flat, and while reciting, even more so. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's really the length that takes the place of that uh, stress accent that we have in English so emphatically. Yeah. So where were we? Nadi. 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 Stress accent could even be more emphasized on the first syllable, nadi. nadi. Yeah, but it sort of gets effaced when you have a long vowel at the end, right? Yeah. Okay, the use, mukam, mukam, good, mukam. It's a very short use on mukam versus long, tupo, tupo. Okay. Sukuma. 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 This is long at the end. Bhikkhu. Bhikkhu. Okay. Yes, question. The question is, 
question is about the R, R uh, in uh, Siri. Ah, okay, sure. So uh, I just may be misinformed. I always thought uh, R was pronounced as a V. As a V? Yeah. Mm, no? No. It's a, it's a light tap. Ra. Mm-hmm. In part, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and we'll get to the consonant, consonants um, after the vowels. So, yeah, that's still to come, don't worry. Okay, the, uh, the complex vowels, that is the, the inherently long vowels. Um, let's skip over metta for just a moment. Let's go to, we'll come back to it. <laughs> Echo. Echo. Aneka. Aneka. Okay, why did I say skip over metta? Because I've, uh, this is actually kind of a bad example. Um, uh, or rather, there was another more complicated rule before I gave this example uh, in another incarnation of this handout. So, metta, there's a rule here. Um, that I hadn't intended to bring up, but since we're talking about this word, yeah. Um, uh, so a double consonant following a vowel makes that syllable longer to pronounce, right? So the metta, because there's that double T, that makes that syllable too heavy for Pali. Pali can't tolerate that heaviness, unlike, say, Sanskrit, which can. Um, so uh, there's this one qualification which is that if one of these long vowels is followed by a double consonant, it shortens. It becomes just uh, a short version of that. So rather than meta, you get metta. Okay? More of an e sound like we have in English. Uh, so that's the reason for that. Um, so rather than meta, which you might expect, we get metta. Yes, question. I'm thinking about the, which syllable is stressed yeah. in different words and wondering why, if there is a rule, why uh, you pronounce aneka as opposed to aneka. Uh, yeah, good question. We'll get to that. The, there is, um, uh, yeah, you can call it a rule. There is a system for that, uh, which we'll come to yeah, after the consonants. Yeah, thank you. Um, so for now, metta. 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 Okay, and likewise, notice the first example with the O's. We have to say short version. Otta. Otta. Yes, rather than ota, which we might expect, otta. Full version we have olariko. Yes, this la is a tricky letter. You have to curl your tongue back. We'll get to the consonants, but o lariko. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, o lariko. It is long. O lariko. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good point. Yeah. O lariko. O lariko. Thanks. Okay, so that's it. You've learned the Pali vowels, which um, 
is the heart of the musicality of the language, right? The vowels are always uh, uh, what give it its uh, beauty and the melody, what carry the melody. Um, So the remainder is the consonants. Now, the chart you have before you, um, we'll go through it now together. Um, If you notice, uh, it's very grid-like, okay? Unlike, say, A, B, C, D, or alpha, beta, gamma, delta, or, you know, any of these uh, unsophisticated alphabets, (laughs) the (laughs) uh, Indian grammarians were real linguistic geniuses. So this is no... um, linguists' abstraction. This is no system that's been devised by Western scholars. Um, In fact, uh, Western linguistics as a science was founded uh, when Western scholars became exposed to uh, the tradition of the Indian grammarians. Um, So it's this precision uh, with the placement uh, of the tongue in the articulation of the vowel and the quality of uh, of that uh, articulation. Do the vocal cords vibrate or not? Is there an aspiration, a puff of breath after the consonant or not? These are the key distinctions which are ma- mapped out very precisely by the polygrammarians um, and tabulated in this chart. So this is actually the traditional way of enumerating the alphabet, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, So these are treated as rows. We'll start with the row that's labeled Kantaja. Kantaja. Can you find it? That's right. So we'll be looking at this first row, uh, which I'll pronounce now. Um, Ka- Now, if you notice, um, I'm adding a vowel because according to the grammarians, it's impossible to pronounce a consonant alone. It needs some vowel sound attached to it, right? Uh, So even if we say we're adding a vowel, right, or I, I don't know how you would try to pronounce that in English without reference to Pali. Uh, in Pali, the system is to add a, a well, after each of these, for pronunciation's sake. So the first series, ka, ka, ka. ka. versus ka. Ka. ka, ka. What's the difference? Yes, there's an aspiration. So if you notice... Uh, we, we don't need to go into the fancy poly words at the top. Um, the word for not having aspiration is sitila. So that's represented by an A with a little minus sign. Um, and uh, the V represents voiced or unvoiced. That is, do the vocal cords vibrate or not? Notice with the ka sound, there's no vibration. So the V has a little minus sign. 
Whereas when we move over to a g sound, there's a vibration, there's a resonance in that sound. So the difference between k and g is only in the fact of the vocal cords vibrating or not. Yes? I think when in English when we say a k sound, there's a little aspiration. That's right, yeah. So, so, there's, so what you're saying here is that there's less aspiration than mm-hmm. what we would say in yeah. English yeah. for the k without the h. So we're, we're, go, we're sort of going back. We, we have to go a little backwards, yeah. So in English, this is just a distinction that we don't have. Right. So we need to uh, start to learn to make this distinction. Um, and uh, yeah, for some letters, uh, we'll have to make effort to add the uh, puff of air. With some letters, we'll have to make effort to take it away to what feels natural but, for us. But with this pair, we have to do both. Oh, and yeah. Take away and add. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Questions again. I'm just behind In fact, in English, we do have the distinction. It's just that we don't have the unaspirated K at the beginning of a word. But um, in the word kill, yeah. the K is aspirated. In the word skill, the K is unaspirated. Yeah, that's right. You, you, if yeah. you hold your hand in front of your uh, mouth when you say those words, you notice the difference. Yes. Yeah, so. In English, we have all these sounds, actually. Um, we're, uh, we're just not very systematic about it. <laughs> so the nice thing about Pali is that they're um, you know, extremely systematic about it. This won't vary um, you know, ever based on position in a word or what follows it. Um, uh, it's pronounced exactly as it's written. Okay, so we have ka versus ka aspirated. Then the voiced version, we have ga versus ka. And as, uh, what's your name? Rick pointed out, um, the acid test um, for this is to hold your hand in front of your mouth. You can feel um, that puff of air, if it's there. So in ga, ga, there should be no puff. Whereas in ga, there should be a conspicuous puff. Ga, ga. You really want to add the H sound in. So ga, ga, ga. Yeah, it takes effort. Ga. Ga. Yes, yeah. Ga. Okay, we'll come back to this distinction. Uh, the N. Uh, we have several in Pali. Uh, this is the one, uh, let's say, the, the corresponding nasal for each row is pronounced with the mouth held in exactly the same position. So where the uh, mouth closes somewhat deep in the throat with this series, ga, in the same place can you make an N sound. Nga. Nga. Yeah, almost like an NG. Yeah, like an NG. Nga. This will never occur at the beginning of a word. It will only occur 
yes, I think that's universal. It will only occur with a, say, a G after it, or a K after it. So it makes it easier. Anga, anga, easy, right? Okay, so this row, this class, that's what vagga means, class of phonemes that we've just described, is called the kantaja. Um, now we can take a moment just to admire the linguistic um, acumen of these grammarians. Kanta means throat. And ja is a suffix that means produced in. So this is the series of sounds that's produced in the kanta, in the throat. Um, and uh, one of the wonderful things about learning Pali pronunciation is that uh, you can take it as an opportunity to use your bodily awareness in a way um, that you might not be used to by becoming aware of the movements of your throat, the position of your mouth, where the tongue touches, um, and really feeling that and being conscious of that while you're pronouncing. So we want to feel that touch when we make the sound ka. Ka, that's a K. Ka. Yeah. We want to feel the air when we make the sound ka. Ka. Yeah. So these are the kantaja sounds. Uh, and linguists call these the velars or the glottals. Okay, so exactly the same that is uh, pronounced in the throat, or rather produced from the closing of the uh, passage at the throat. Okay, so the second series, second row, is called the taluja. Talu is the Pali word for the palate, the hard palate. So uh, the top of the mouth, the roof of the mouth. So we have our cha sound, cha. Cha. Again, this is one that's harder to make without the aspiration. Cha. Versus cha. Cha. Try it without. Cha. 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 And now the voice version of that. Ja. 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 Can you hear it? Ja. 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 Nya. Like in Nya. Okay, the palatal class. The next class. Yes, question. Sorry, I'm at. Are you um, for the palate class? Are you, are you putting your tongue at a different spot on the palate for the aspirate versus the non? No. So it's the same place. It's just adding the aspiration. Yeah, that should be the only difference. Okay. Yeah. So cha versus cha. Yeah, it does because change the shape of the tongue. Because it's easier for me to do the non-aspiration with my tongue farther back than I would be used to. Sure. That's probably and actually more faithful to the original sound, 
actually. Okay. Um, yeah, it. Uh, mm, our chest sound today is very forward in the mouth, mm-hmm. um, but according to uh, the linguistics, they probably would have pronounced it further back. So it's hard to recuperate that sound. I'm not quite sure how it would have been something cha cha or something tra, like that. Tra. Yeah, cha something a little further back, maybe flatter dung against the roof, but. Um, that's uh, not something that in practice is given much attention okay. to now. So, yeah, not to worry. Okay, the next class, the mudtaja, 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 or I, I should say ja, we're pronouncing it without an ending, so it's, this is just a grammatical abstraction, but the mudtaja, mudta means the head, okay? And this is the class of letters that is pronounced by literally curling the tongue back and touching the tip, with the tip of the tongue, the middle of the top of your mouth. So it's touching the head. In Western linguistics, these are called the cerebros, that is for touching the uh, brain, (laughs) Um, or the uh, retroflexes for curling the tongue back. Okay, so this takes effort to get used to. The motion uh, I'll demonstrate it for you, but it looks a little silly. So you have to really curl your tongue back and touch with the point of it the top of the roof of your mouth. Yes. And then is it touching more in the middle than forward? Yeah. Um, this this varies by country. Uh, ideally, it should be pretty far back. That is in the middle. Yeah. So da, da, That's its characteristic. It gives you a very hollow sound. Da, 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 That sounds like the da, the uh, unvoiced uh, version, uh, which is difficult. Right, is da. We'll get there. <laughs> oh, well, it is a T sound versus a D sound. That's the distinction I'm trying to make. It's a ta, ta, yeah, versus with the aspiration ta, 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 yeah, ta. And then voiced, duh, 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 versus duh, 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 yeah, good. And then the N, so holding your tongue in the same position, can you make an N sound? Na, 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 that's right, good, na, yeah, na. Okay, so this series stands in contrast to the next row, the dantajas. Danta, you can hear the, the cognates, dentals, the dantajas. This is the dental class, and when they say dentals, they mean dentals, not like with our English teas. They want your tongue sticking out between <laughs> your teeth. So in the same position that we use for the sound, tha, 
Can you do that position with your tongue literally sticking out between your teeth and, you know, closing by touching the, the, the top row of teeth? So we want to make the sound ta. 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 Yeah. Like French people saying, thank you. Thank you. Ta. Versus ta. Ta. Not a the sound. Ta. Ta. And then same thing. Da. Da. So this is more like the English sound the, but uh, uh, without the without becoming a fricative, maybe you would call that. So da, da, versus da, da, da. Good. And then a regular n na, na, yeah. And finally. Otta, as we saw, means lips. So these are the labials, the labial class. Pronounced by closing the two lips. Pa. More difficult to make without the air. So pa. Pa. Versus pa. Pa. So notice, not, not fa. Fa sound doesn't come in Pali. Though you'll hear it sometimes if especially if you have Indians pronouncing Pali. Uh, pa. Pa. Okay, unaspirated. Pa. 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 Good. Pa. Another voice version. Ba. Ba. Versus ba. 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 Good. And ma. Okay, wonderful. Question. Yes. Do you find you can hear the distinctions yourself? For example, if someone's... Thank you. Do you find you can hear the distinctions if someone's speaking to you? Absolutely. So that's another thing that needs training. Mm. At the beginning, um, it's hard to even distinguish these distinctions. Mm. Yeah. Um, but uh, with time, they become clear. So as... Um, probably hand-in-hand hand with, you know, your ability to produce them and to you know feel what it feels like to produce them you develop your ability to recognize them and hear you know other people with their mouth in that position yeah yeah so that um just becomes clear with practice yeah yeah and speaking of practice so we can do our first exercise um i would request you to uh, turn to the person sitting next to you and um, now I'll explain what, what the exercise is. We want to go through this row, uh, each of the rows, making all of the sounds. So this is difficult, but I'll model it for you. And we'll spend just one or two minutes practicing together. So can we make these in a row? Ka, ka, ga, ga, na. Everybody can try first. Ka, ka, ga, ga, na. And then once you feel 
confident with that, you can move on. Cha, cha, ja, ja, nya. Cha, cha, ja, cha, nya. And so on. So, can you practice these together? Let's take one or two minutes. Yeah. Everybody have a partner? Good. Sure. Or shall we work together? <laughs> Front row seat. Oh, that's okay. No, it's yeah, it's it's an introduction, so no no pressure. So um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll try first. Ka, ka, ga, ka, nga. Yeah. Part of my problem is that I'm uh, I'm hearing my mistakes. Oh, that's okay. And, and so, and that's the that, first step that, to learning. And, and that's, yeah, yeah. It, it, but yeah, sometimes it sets me back to No, that's a part of it. Yeah, it's hard. It's like it's something. It's uh, it's like something extra that I don't. Yeah. I've never known. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. You you've known it before. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. I don't okay. want to forestall okay, it, but so ga na. That's right. Uh, okay. So second one is cha cha ja ja nya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Great. Yeah. Da, ta, da, da, na. Yeah. Da, Yes. Good. And da, ta. Oh, I should mute this.
to. Of course, yeah. No. How how is everybody doing? Some success, initial success. It'll it'll keep getting better. Okay, so I have a trick for you. I have a trick for you, for these. Um, so, as was pointed out earlier, we have these sounds in English. They feel very awkward, right? Uh, some of these, adding the H and taking away the H, um, uh, pulling the tongue back, pushing it forward. Okay, We have these sounds in English, though. So a trick for the aspirates. Where do we get these sounds in English? We get them, not in a word, actually, between words. So down at the bottom here, where it says pronunciation of aspirates, just see in English, black hair, black hair, perfect ka, black hair, big hall, perfect ka, big hall. So we just need to get used to taking these sounds out and putting them, uh, conceptualizing them as a single letter, single sound. Much happiness. Perfect aspirated cha. Large hands. Yes. Hot headed. Hot headed. Yeah. Good health. Perfect ta. Top hat. Pa. Perfect. And job hunt. Yeah. Okay. So take 30 seconds to experiment with these on your own. Black hair, big hall. Does that make it easier? Okay, so that's one to practice with. Um, now, what, one more exercise. If we try these with words, uh, we'll, we haven't quite finished the, the alphabet, but uh, if you turn the sheet over, uh, we'll keep working with these consonants and then come back to the last remaining letters. Okay, so this is just in actual words. Okay, like we did with vowels. We want to try to make the distinction between kanti, you can repeat after me, kanti, and kanti. Kanti versus kanti. Similarly, gata versus gata. World of difference. Gata versus ghata, chanda, versus chanda, 
terrible difference. Jati Jati. versus jhana. Tata Tata. versus satha. Dasati versus daddha. This dha sound does not begin at the beginning of a word ever. So we can be thankful for that, but that's why that one's a little different. Daddha. Burnt. Tala. Versus tala. Dana. Versus dhana. Dana. Versus dhana. Pana. Versus phala. Bala. Versus bhava. Okay, so this is our next exercise. They're misnumbered. This is actually our second exercise. So if you could uh, get back in partners and practice making those distinctions, just like we just did. For just one to two minutes. One to two minutes. Please keep in mind those English words. Large hands, for instance. Jhana. Try keep coming back.
Okay, how's it coming? Improvement? Good, good, yes. Uh, little by little it, it comes. So let's just come back to the front page and finish our series of consonants. Um, you've just learned the 25, uh, is that right? 5 by 5? Yes, 25 consonants. Um, the last letters are classified a uh, little differently. Uh, we could also call them consonants, but antata, these are, we would call them semivowels, uh, according to Western linguistics. Uh, uh, there's something in between vowels and consonants. Okay, so ya, ra, la, and wa. Yes, the poly sound is something between a W and a V. Wa. Ya, ra, la, wa. Ya, ra, la, wa. Ya, ra, ya, ra, la, wa. Yeah, fine if you say V also, or W, you know, as you wish. Ya, ra, la, wa. Good. We have one S in Pali. Uh, this comes from different S sounds. So Sanskrit had three S sounds. Pali, um, I could have said two words about this before. Pali, we can consider it uh, a sort of spoken form of uh, the language that we now call Sanskrit um, around the time of the Buddha or shortly thereafter, um, depending on your theory, um, which reflected you know, the spoken conventions, a more... Um, Mm, mm, if we want to call it evolved or developed or you know simply spoken form of that language, so whereas uh, Sanskrit had some distinctions uh, uh, that it maintained in writing uh, in the spoken language, they had you know long since ceased to make those distinctions. So whereas Sanskrit has three S's, a sa, a sha, and a Sha, and they're all written differently. Pali has a single S, Sa, which is sort of, you'll hear me pronouncing it something in between Sa and Sha. My theory of, on this is that the three have simply become one, that is, they've ceased to make the distinction. Um, uh, so it sort of floats between these. But in general, we can think of it as a Sa sound. Sa. Sa. That's right. And an H sound as well. A ha sound. Ha sound. So, sakara. The kara is how you say the letter X in Pali. You just add a kara. So you can do that with any of those. You can do a kakara. Sorry, a kakara. A kakara. Likewise, we have this letter that's called sakara. The letter S. And we have... Oh, and sorry, and we have an ahakara, the letter H, ha. And then we have these two very odd letters that don't have a particular name, um, though we can call them lakara and lakara, uh, which are particular to Pali. Okay, so this is an L with, you know, as the little dot, um, which you've already seen. Uh, denotes the tongue 
is just like with the Ta series, it's curled back. So can you curl your tongue back, touch the top of the roof of your mouth, and say a La sound? La. 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 Yeah. And this becomes almost flat sometimes, so it becomes a La. 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 Yeah. Almost with the tongue flopping forward. La. So this is sometimes the sound um, uh, used with, with the word Pali. We actually have variants. We have either Pali with the regular L or Pali, Pali, Pali. So probably the Pali version is the more faithful one to the original Pali. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't need to go around saying Pali in English. <laughs> And then even more exotic, we have an aspirated version of that. So can you add the H sound to that? Parli. Well, that word doesn't exist. But This is a very rare letter, by the way. Only in a few words. La. 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 Good. Only a few words. Yeah, no worries. Okay, good. So uh, let's keep on going. We have just... Two more topics before we close with pronunciation and you get your diploma. <laughs> so if you turn the sheet over again, geminate consonants. Geminate, like Gemini, twins, okay, doubled consonants. So Pali uh, is characterized by uh, its profusity of these double consonants. And these come from these spoken changes that would have occurred uh, uh, between Sanskrit uh, at an older stage and the spoken version of it that we now know is Pali. Okay, uh, so we're in Sanskrit, and you're used to all these differences already, probably if you know words like Dharma versus Dhamma. Okay, Chakra versus Chakka. Okay, this, these are the typical changes for Pali, um, and what makes it sound like Pali. Um, the interesting thing is it doesn't only make it sound like Pali, it also makes it sound uh, very melodious, kind of like Italian, uh, which is known for its double consonants, right? Um, So this contributes to the melodiousness of Pali and gives it its characteristic form. Uh, We get words like ario, atangiko, maggo. Can you repeat after me? Ario, atangiko, atangiko. That's right, we need to pronounce both of them. Atangiko. In practice, it means a slight pause. You get your tongue in that position and you hold it there. Atangiko. Maggo. Maggo. And you can see how that change would have occurred. The Sanskrit form would have been Margo. So maintaining that same presence of another letter in there. Margo, Maggo. 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 Good. Yeah, I'm hearing both of them. Uh, The title of a well-known discourse. The Dhamma Chakka Pavatana, Pavatana. Sutta. Sutta. 
So notice with the pavattana, that's at the beginning of a word actually, the word is pavattana, so you can't pronounce a double consonant at the beginning of a word. That will only be noticeable in the middle. So when we say it all together, I'll say it first. Dhamma chakka pavattana sutta. Dhamma chakka pavattana sutta. Very nice, yeah. Dhamma chakka pavattana sutta. Dhamma chakka pavattana sutta. Nice, excellent. Once more for gratification. Dhamma chakka pavattana sutta. Very nice, very nice. Similarly, vidya charana sampanno. Vidya charana sampanno. That's right. Vidya charana sampanno. Vidya charana sampanno. Good. Anuttarang. Punyakhetang. Lokasa. That's right, two S's. Lokasa. Good. Anuttarang. Punyakhetang. Lokasa. Good. So punyakhetang. This is again two words. Punya and keta. So keta means field. And punya as you may know, means merit. So this is the anuttaram, the highest or unsurpassed field of merit of the world, an epithet of the Buddha. The anuttaram, punyakhetam, lokasa. Okay, nice. So these geminates, these double consonants, take practice. Okay, so we can, again, take another minute or two to practice uh, these consonants. Oh, yes, and there's a trick to these as well. So if we look at this series, we have these sounds, like with the aspirates, in English. We just don't have them where we want them. That is, in the middle of a word. We have them between two words. Uh, so you have English examples uh, that provide analogies for you. So, words like chakka. We get this sound in book cover. That's a perfect double K. Book cover. Don't, don't pause. Don't add a puff of air after the first. Don't say book cover. Book cover. That's right. Jam them together. Book cover. Words like bhagga. We get that in big girl. Big girl. Yeah. Bugga. Words like satcha. Good chances. Without the H, huh? Don't pronounce it like it were if it, as if it were Pali. Good chances. Satcha. Okay. Good job. Adja. Good job. Adja. Just notice these don't have meaning. Anyway, meaning is immaterial for these. We're concerned with the sounds for these. The N. Uh, for this one, you have to say it uh, with a British accent. In New York. 
Vignana. <laughs> okay. Um, words like putti. Putti. Uh, this is difficult in English. The R in English pulls our tongue back. So we sort of get it with hard to do. Hard to do. Putti. Okay. Uh, similarly, uh, yard dog. Leddu. Yard dog. Leddu. Again with the R. Yarn not. Panna. Yeah, that's it. Panna. Sorry, panna. Mm. Okay, words like sutta. We get this uh, if you say it with, say, a French accent. Not thinking. Not thinking. Sutta. Mm. Again with the French accent. Put the. Addasa. Putta. Addasa. Unnatural. That's a nice double N. We're not used to paying attention to it as one, but unnatural. Adinadana. Adinadana. Good. Appamada. Top potato. You'd think I might have thought of a better one. Yeah. Sabba. Grab bag. We hear this all the time in good boy, good boy. Nice double B. Sabba. Dhamma. Immodest. Immodest. Dhamma. Dhamma. Mm. Important word to pronounce correctly. Okay, words like say yo. To move on from the consonants. Say yes. Nice double Y. Say yo. Say yes. Pallankam. Tall lady. Tall lady. Pallankam. Mm. And tassa, like a bus seat. <laughs> okay, good. So I, I think we did that one justice. Last item for pronunciation. And uh, this is the least important, actually, because as I mentioned, while reciting, it's really the length that matters, not the stress accent like in English. So the default position for a stress accent, if there is one, is on, you know, this, what we call the pre-penultimate syllable. So the penultimate being the one next to last, and the pre-penultimate being the one before the next to last. Okay? Second to last. So, saranam. 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 Um, these are broken up in syllables according to the 
polysyllabification. So it's a bit different uh, than the English syllabification. They always start with the consonants and end with a vowel. So you may have a syllable that begins with two consonants. Um, though, notice the p, that's considered a single consonant. So anything with the h is one letter, not two. Huh? So, bhagava. Bhagava. Yeah, so that's the default. It would be weird if you said bhagava, bhagava, or saranam. Okay, that's very weird. So, saranam. Bhagava. But notice the long vowel at the end makes it more flat. Bhagava. And in long words also, purisadamasarati. Purisadamasarati. So if there is a stress accent, it's there on that second to last syllable, sarati. Okay. However, the one uh, rule or qualification to keep in mind is that if, not the pre-penultimate, but the penultimate, if the next to last syllable is heavy, then the stress accent shifts to it. Okay. Now what makes a heavy syllable? It gets heavy by virtue of having either a long vowel there or by being followed by two consonants. These are the only two conditions. Okay? So a long vowel. Saranesu. So saranam has become saranesu. Because that's a long vowel. Okay? Though it doesn't have the mark. Huh? It's inherently long. Saranesu. One with double consonant. Bhagavanto. So we have Bhagava becoming Bhagavanto. Okay. A simple long vowel. Swakato. And that's what I meant by the funny syllabification. We would want to push one of those Ks back probably into the previous syllable. But Swakato. And with long words too. Vidya charana sampanno. Yeah, so it's on that pun. We think of it as a pun, right? But they break it up as mpa. <laughs> so, sampanno, because of that double N. Sampanno. And notice this is natural, right? It would be weird to say sampanno. It, that double consonant naturally pulls the emphasis to that vowel. So, vidya charana sampanno. Good. Okay, so we can practice with the words below. And we'll close in just a couple of minutes. Huh? This is our last uh, thing. So this is uh, from this famous formula, uh, which is sort of an uh, invocation of the triple gem, or a recollection of the triple gem, if you will. Uh, so this is the Buddha recollection part. Uh, 
Itipiso Bhagava. Arahang. Notice it changes a bit when you're reciting. Huh? Those stress accent rules go out the door. Vow length is what becomes important. Sama Sambuddho. Vidya Charana Sampanno. Sugato. Loka Vidu. Anuttaro, Purisadamma Sarati, Satha, Deva Manusanam, Buddho, Bhagavati. This ti word we don't have in English. Ti, ti means. End quote. <laughs> so we only have a written sign for that. They have a spoken word. Um, here it is. Here it is. This is an exceptional use of iti. Yeah. It's, it's actually sort of putting the close quote at the beginning and giving it its full form, iti, to tell you it's open. So basically, yes. Yeah, but that's very rare. Usually only the close quote is indicated. Whereas in English we only say quote, da 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 da, da and then we don't indicate the end. In Pali, they only indicate the end. So once more. Shall we chant? Let's chant it. Itipiso Bhagava. So Bhagava Arahan Arahan Sama Sambuddho Vidya Charana Sampanno Vidya Charana Sampanno Sugato Sugato Lokavidu Lokavidu Anuttaro Anuttaro Purisadhammasarati Purisadhammasarati Satta Satta Devamanusanam Devamanusanam Buddho Buddho Bhagavati Itipiso Bhagava Itipiso Bhagava Arahan Samma Sambuddho Arahan Samma Sambuddho Vidya Charana Sampanno Vidya Charana Sampanno Sugato Loka Vidu Sugato Loka Vidu Anuttaro Purisadhamma Sarathi Anuttaro Purisadhamma Sarathi Satha Deva Manusanam Satha Deva Manusanam Buddho Bhagavati Buddho Bhagavati Itipiso Bhagavati 
ಅರಹಂಸಂಬುಧೋ ಅರಹಂಸಂಬುಧೋ ವಿಚಾಚರಣಸಂಪನ್ನೋ ಸುಗತೋಕವಿಸುಗತೋಕವಿರಿ ಸಾರಥಿ ಅನುತ್ತರೋಪುರಿಸಾರಥಿ ಸತ್ತೇವನುಸ್ಸಾನ ಸತ್ತೇವನುಸ್ಸಾನ ಬುಧೋ ಭಗವಾತಿ ಬುಧೋ ಭಗವಾತಿ so we take a break so let's meet back here in what's a reasonable break 15 minutes 15 20 minutes let's meet back here at 11:20 hmm? and we have the rest of the handout now on the corner unfortunately the first six pages are in tears so we have enough for everybody 